This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Uh, what's up, everybody? I'm Keith Hernandez, the CRO of Sonoro Media. Uh, and today we're talking about empowering Latinx creators in audio. This is our awesome panel. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves and tell them what they do at Sonoro and also the shows that they create. So we'll start with you. Hello, uh, I'm Camila Victoriano. I'm one of the co-founders of Sonoro, and I oversee our content development and partnerships. Hi, I'm Antonio Badia. I'm the host and writer of Leyendas Legendarias and also well, co-host with Historias del Masacá. Hello, everyone. Bettina Lopez. I'm a development executive leading the fiction podcast. Hi, I'm Gabriela Ruiz. I am the co-founder of Producciones in Contexto that produces, amongst other podcasts, Leyendas Legendarias. Awesome. Thank you all for being here. This is going to be fun. We'll start with you, Camila. How did Sonoro begin? I think... Um, for me, at least, it was pretty clear the gap that we were seeing in media just broadly. The Latino community is huge, global, incredibly nuanced in and of itself. And so for us, we just believed it made sense to have a, an entertainment company exclusively and really sort of hyper-focused on them and their experiences and their stories in English, Spanish, Spanglish, um, and sort of everywhere in between, um, especially just seeing how little we were represented, not just in audio, but sort of in media much more broadly. Uh, and what is the importance of now, right? I think there's so many big companies now creating these subcategories, subdivisions, where they're giving Latinx creators a little bit of an opportunity. But this is 100% focused on Latinx. Right. What, what's the importance of that now versus five, 10 years ago? I think that allows us to be really creative and diverse about the stories that we're greenlighting and that we're pursuing. It's really sort of this next wave of representation where Latino creators and writers in particular in the fiction space um, and hosts and chat shows and nonfiction sort of documentarians can just explore whatever genre that they're interested in. They're not sort of stuck in one bucket or they have to just make the one show um, in sort of this bigger sort of landscape. But we really can give them the, the creative flexibility to tell the story that they're most passionate about and that most honestly represents sort of their experience as a Latino, whether that's in the U.S. or abroad. Fantastic. And I'll go to you, Bidia. Uh, Stuck in the Bucket is not what Leyendas is. It's a super original, fun, creative show. Talk to me about the origins of it and how it got started with you and your, your content creators. Well, it got started just like anything else. We started talking about new stuff that we could make creatively. We had a late night show in Juarez. We're like, let's, let's do a podcast. I mean, it's we know how things are going because we live it right on the border. And we're like, podcasts are going to be a thing like in two years. Like the people in Southern Mexico are going to find out about them and it's going to be a thing. Let's get on this. So while we were talking about what's it going to be about, I'm always talking about true crime and ghosts and everything. And Lolo over there, Eduardo, like, let's just tell us what you always tell us when we're drunk. <laughs> but let's do it with a script and let's make fun of it and let's make a show. And it just started like that. It seems to be the, the best podcasts are made uh, on conversations that, around being drunk. Always. I think that the Gabe. foundation of podcast movement is, oh, we were drunk and we said, hey, this is actually a good idea. And now here we are. So what, gave, what drew you to Badia and the Leyendas team? I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's changed so much. We started as a very small team, just like three people back in the late night shows. And then uh, we started doing the podcast and I did some like... Uh, 
somewhere between a manager, an executive producer, an agent, a janitor, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I am the point of contact between the rest of the world and them. So I, I handle, uh, uh, through Sonoro, uh, sales and, and uh, events, and just, um, I'm the adult in charge, is what they like to say. I just, I'm in charge of selling them. No, we cannot buy another flamethrower. What? <laughs> is that, has that been a problem, that there have been multiple flamethrowers? Yes. Like skulls or, you know... <laughs> Uh, this tomb. is ghost hunting equipment. We need it. Like, no, we, we don't. We need hunting equipment. So, so for the folks that might not have listened to your podcast and are hearing skulls and flamethrowers and going, wait, what are they talking about? Can you give a quick synopsis of what Leandus Leandaris is all about? Yeah, well, it's uh, actually, I do research on true crime uh, from around the world, uh, paranormal stuff, but from a not scientific point of view, but the, the most truthful way that you can go about those subjects. And also weird history, you know, like just strange things that has happened throughout our, our life. And I have the script and Lolo and Borre, who's over there, they don't know what the story's gonna be about. So every, every week I tell them a story that lasts about an hour and we joke about everything that's going on around that story. So it's a comedy, true crime, porn, uh, not pornographic. Well, it kind of gets pornographic when I there's mean, it gets necrophilia there. around, but yeah. It gets there. <laughs> Paranormal <laughs> history stuff. Yeah. So it does kind of blend into multiple genres. Yeah, all the time. Like, yeah, UFOs time. and everything. That's, that's fantastic. Bettina, I want to talk to you a little bit about content development uh, and the genre thing, right? I think for many people in the podcasting world, True crime is that obvious hit. Let's let's do that. But how do you think about developing shows and thinking about scripted that kind of go against those genre norms? Yeah, I mean, I think the coolest thing we're doing at Sonoda is that we're not tied to any specific genre. We do have, you know, buckets across the board and we have the liberty to sort of do blend genres, right? So do cross, uh, you know, humor and dark comedy or telenovelas and reinvent what that sounds for a modern audience. So I think for us, um, obviously keeping in mind what the audience is consuming, but like how can we reinvent what we're giving them and um, what unique voices and stories have they not heard? That's really cool. And how would somebody approach and pitch you or pitch the Sonoro team if they think they have a great concept? What's the best way to do that? So once you're in touch with us, the best way is to have a one-pager, which really describes your story in enough length for us to understand your point of view, the vision for the series. Um, and a lot of it also has to do with like the characters and the themes and how can that really carry an audience. So it's not just about, OK, this is the high concept, but it's why do we care, right? Yeah. So. Camila, we talk about this all the time, that the Latinx culture is not a monoculture, right? So how do you think deliberately about the entire diaspora when you're saying yes to one or two different shows? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big responsibility, I think. And for us, we try to really lead or let the creators lead a little bit. And it's sort of like we trust their experience. We all have, obviously, our own lived experiences that we're bringing to the table. Um, our entire team, there's 65 of us now, across LA, New York, and Mexico City are 100% bilingual and bicultural. And so we have that like inherent uh, understanding of culture and nuance within our own team. But really, it's just letting the creators uh, lead the way in, in their experiences. And today, I think we're working with writers from over 14 different countries. Badia, you've led the way on the cultural side of things. We talked a couple of weeks ago yeah. about when you were just creating uh, Leyendas, this idea, like, you're Mexican, but you're 
close to the Mexican-American border. Yeah, we're border folk. Yeah, you're border folk. Yeah, that, that's the way to describe it. Yeah. So how did that play into how you were creating your show and who the intended audience is versus oh. who the actual audience is? Well, it, it was kind of, it was strange because at the beginning we started doing the show and we're like, well, most people are going to listen to us in, in Ciudad de Mexico and everything, so let's, let's keep it civilized and not do pocho stuff, you know, like Spanglish and everything, because they abhor that kind of language. But as, as, as we started doing the podcast, I know six, seven episodes in, I'm like, why can they, they say, like, ¿Dónde está mi nave? And everybody respects that, but I can't say, like, oh, my God, que fregón es tu hueso, right? Yeah. That's how we speak, and I, right. that's where it clicked, and I'm like, people are going to listen. Anybody can tell you a story about John Wayne Gacy but nobody can tell you the story of John Wayne Gacy like we can. And the only way we can tell you that story if we, if, if we use our language and our way of making jokes. So once we, that clicked and we started just being ourselves, that's what clicked with people and that's what brought in the whole community that's now behind Leyenda Legendarios. That's fantastic. And so talk to me about the evolution of the relationship with the audience and, and sharing more about your personal life and, and who you actually are versus the characters that you, that you might be playing on the show. Oh yeah, that, that's actually something that was really impressive that a lot of people thought that we were all play, playing characters, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I like, how do you get into character to tell the stories? And that's where I was like, uh, it's just me. Lolo is exactly like that. Yeah. Like, we, we don't have to be doing a podcast for him to be making bad jokes. <laughs> or for me, it's fucking up words. That's just us being us all the time. That's exactly what happened. And by embracing our flaws and by embracing what we're good at, people started lo looking at us as people. And they're like, oh, that's a weirdo with dyslexia. Yeah. I'm like that. I like that guy. He's but he's just, my you know, weirdo. And yeah. They, they're very warm towards us. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about reining them in and saying no to the flamethrowers. But you're also saying yes to additional things outside of just audio, right? Yeah. So how do you figure out the, the right things to bring to the team to say yes to to evolve the brand? It's never my decision. It's not something I, I don't see myself like their their boss or manager or, or their assistant even. Like we're part of a team and we say, hey, we have this opportunity. What does it mean? What do, do we like about it? What does it mean down the line? And then we all talk about it. And so far, we've never had a, a disagreement where somebody says, no, I do want to make the the porn remake of whatever, and nobody else does. Like, no, we'll, we'll agree to something and, and generally have the same goals in mind. So it's never been a, a problem, but there have been a couple of times where we say, you know what, maybe not the best time for this, let's wait a little, and so far we haven't uh, made any huge mistakes, but uh, we're, we're working on And so what are some of the things that you've gone into? Live events and merchandising or uh, selling? Merch, live events, uh, we just finished writing our book, which would be out uh, sometime this year, around November or so. We just uh, had a conversation about maybe doing a, like a live experience thing regarding um, Halloween and, and special events that aren't just, hey, come watch three idiots sit up on a table and, and tell you a story. So we're very much excited to, and especially with Sonoro, they've been great about approaching us with, hey, let's do this thing. This is this hasn't been done. Would you like to do it? And we're, we're excited to push those limits. That's fantastic. But yeah, what advice would you give uh, show creators who are looking at it and saying, oh, I'm not ready to do merchandising or I'm not ready for live events? Should they push into it? Should they experiment? No, I think you, you should never push into any of that stuff. First of all, it'll take time from what you're doing. So yeah. unless you have people behind you that can handle that stuff, if you're doing podcasts, you're doing podcasts. That's what gave so essential to the team. Yeah. I can't be 
having some whiskey, reading about conspiracy theories in my underwear if I have to be organizing life stuff, right? right. You need to delegate, you need to have a team. So if there's a chance and you can not sacrifice your work for the podcast, because that's what matters, that's what's gonna bring the people to the live show. If you can stay strong with that and then do the other things, go for it. Merch, that's another job, we tried it. We ordered some shirts, it's a nightmare. You don't know how many shirts, how many small, how many medium, where do we put up all these shirts? Now we have to mail them. One didn't get to, the, it's another freaking job. So we delegate it, it's like, make you do it, give us shirts. part of what, whatever, it's just, so I think you always need to focus on the main product because if that starts waning, then everything else that go, that's around it will start to fall down. That's sound advice. Uh, Bettina, so many people now are looking at podcasting as the gateway into TV, or the gateway into creating uh, film, cinematic experiences. How do you vet content and think about it? Is that part of the end process or is that just a, an additional plus that might happen later down the road? I think it's an additional plus. I think you always want the product you're ha like putting out to have life beyond it, but I don't think we want to, you know, typecast it into like just a TV series, just a film. Like, hopefully, there's so many other opportunities down the road. Um, but I do think the audio is incredibly important for our, at least my job. So, uh, you know, we do audio first, and we want that product to be amazing. And then if it does have those opportunities, that's like we did a good job. And Camila, at Sonoro, we have had a few successes with that, with Tejana and Toxicomania. Can you talk a little bit about the initial pitch of those shows and, and now their, their kind of second life as, as TV shows and movies? Yeah, and I think what Bettina said was exactly right. Like, Toxicomania, first and foremost, we that was an incredible sort of true story. It was basically a Mexican doctor in the 1940s that convinced the president of the time to legalize all drugs for six months, which no one in our team, I think, really knew how to happen. That's like not in textbooks or right. anything. Nobody <laughs> really like, talks about it. But it did happen. And so we, you know, we were... And it was wonderful for six months in Mexico. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if only we had a time machine. But um, that, to Bettina's point, like first step was really understanding the real story. And then our team adapted that and dramatized it into a scripted series that was a bit more of a, a drama, a bit of a thriller, but really sort of based on true events, really focused on making it a great show and audio. We launched it on 420, which was again, a great sort of marketing decision. So like all the pieces were there. Um, and we had partnered with um, the actor Luis Gerardo Mendez who portrayed the doctor. And so like all the pieces we had sort of put into place were to make sure that it was gonna be number one, a good podcast. And also number two, we were thinking about from the very beginning, like this could be a great movie or it could be a great TV series. Like you just have never heard of a story like that. Um, and so the podcast sort of within, I think 24 or 48 hours sort of skyrocketed to the top of the charts in, in Mexico, across Latin America. It was number two in the US, even though it was only in Spanish. Um, so it just sort of really was an incredible success in audio and then as the story goes, um, got a lot of interest to become uh, a film. And so we announced a year later, exactly to the date that it had launched, that it was greenlit to development at Paramount Plus um, to become a film. So that was very exciting. And I think that's the perfect case study because I think like for us, that story, it's entertaining, it's a great podcast, but it also has sort of like an undercurrent of a mission of portraying a character that you don't see in media of like an actual very progressive Mexican doctor that was espousing policies that you know, whether you agree with them or not, like had never been heard of in, yeah. in that, and that time period. And that changes the narrative around Latins and drugs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Like shows like Narcos and shows like Breaking Bad 
put the Latin characters as the bad guys, the cartel. And yeah, the Mexican the, thug. Yeah, exactly. Right. And also, it show, it's a case study that it works, that legalizing yeah. works. Yeah. So it's ridiculous that they're still fighting in Mexico against this when we have proof that it worked, right? I, I feel like you're going to be running on that platform in 20 or 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> so, so, Gabe, um, Landis has done such a fantastic job also with brand partnerships. And one of the things that uh, I've seen from an outsider's perspective is just the uh, honesty that you have with the brands that make sense, that you want to work with, but then the hon also the honesty of you probably won't be the right brand for us. How did you develop your kind of litmus test for which brands make sense for the Landis brand? Uh, I think this is more of a question for Joe. We, we decided okay. that since he is the one who is writing the scripts and the, whose voice is most uh, dominant in the, the product, that he should get like more of a say in this. So we'll, we'll receive like an email like, hey, X brand wants to work with you. And we'll say, okay, does this brand, is this something that we would use? We would uh, maybe um, not work with, do they have, like there, there's been a couple like, oh, they've been in a scandal where they don't pay their employees. And we say, you know what, better not associate with them. We're very popular with salespeople, sorry, Jimena. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Joe can speak more to the sincerity of uh, and the importance of uh, being honest about what we promote because it, it's very efficient, and, and especially in Mexico where there, uh, now there are more podcasts that do advertising, but uh, they are increasingly more surprised to see that uh, they something they tried with us worked way better than they expected. So we want to keep it that way by only doing what we think is right, what works for us, what works with us. Yeah, I think there's like two meridians to this thing. One is we were, we were kind of pioneers in Mexico with a podcast. So you have to teach the industry what they can do and they can't do. Since how much you're going to you know, charge to how you're going to do your commercials. So yeah. they can come in like, we like that brand, but they want us to do some scripted bullshit thing. Right. And I'll be like, that's not going to work. And it's not going to work for you. Right. People won't believe this, and it's not going to work for us because we're going to alienate our fans. So that's, that's part of what we do. And then there's brands that are like, okay, fine, we can maybe work with this brand, but if they let us do what we do. And the other thing, we have a simple rule, like don't mess with people's money. Mm -hmm. If it's like, I don't know, uh, cash apps that are shady or uh, gambling apps, I'm like, I'm not going to touch things that can harm people's oh, like people's money and bank accounts and uh, mental health or health things is like unless this is 100% proven to be super good and FDA approved and everything, we just don't touch it. Just for we, we don't want to mess with people's actual lives. You know, if you yeah. if you want to buy a special edition coffin that says it's haunted and has a ghost in it, I'm I'm down for that. That's your problem. I bought one, and if you buy one too, we'll be disappointed together. But I will not mess with your mental health. Yeah. That's very fair. And, and I don't know if this was an intentional byproduct of that, but what I found on the business side is then clients come back and say, what if we doubled the CPM? Would they do it then? Oh, they do it all the yeah. time. And they're they're confused a lot of times. Like, oh, no, thank you. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, we, we have the money. It's like, no, thank you. We're, we're, we don't think that this aligns with uh, our brand. And, and they still act confused. It's happened a couple of times. Like, sorry, man, I don't know what to tell you. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you know anybody who sells coffins, send them our way. But, <laughs> but if you're really adamant uh, with, with what you do, then brands will come back. Because they'll go like, that actually really worked. Yeah. I just let you said whatever you three idiots said, and people <laughs> loved it. Yeah. So let's go back to you, and then these people here can charge more. 
<laughs> so can you talk a, a, about some of the partnerships that have worked? I, I feel like uh, Netflix was one that you've had a long, long-standing relationship with and did things around Day of the Dead. Yeah, Netflix even turned into a, like a side project that we do with them. Cool. And then we've been working with, uh, well, from the newest ones, like NordVPN, they're loving what we do. Because they just yeah. go, I love brands that just go like, you do you. Right. I mean, and that's why I, I, I always tell the guys, I'm like, if they're, if they're going to pay us, they're paying us for what we do. Right. Stop trying to make us do what you think is going to work. Right. Then why are you getting us? Just do a commercial, you know? Absolutely. One, one partnership that uh, partnership partnership that really worked was uh, before we were working with Sonoro, so we did not charge nearly as much as we should have. Um, <laughs> was uh, Arctic Fox? They were they are this uh, vegan hair brand uh, based in LA. They were trying to get into Mexico, and they had a tiny budget and said, "We don't know how to advertise. Let's try podcasting," and they let us get away with so much. We'd be like, maybe you can dye your pubes. We don't know. Ask them. And that boosted sales so much. They're like, okay, let's just keep doing it. And that it became a, a thing where uh, that brand sponsors a lot of Mexican comedy podcasts because we said yes to them first. And it became a whole thing because they said, just uh, don't say this, don't say this. Other than that, we don't care. And those are our favorites. Like, they're they're just the number one pube dyeing company in the world. That, I have that screenshot. Like, man, what did you say about pubes? We've been getting really weird DMs. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they're now on, on panels and podcasts talking about, oh, no, well, yeah, we there's a our company yeah. To, yeah. to focus solely on this. Yeah, yeah and just uh, recently we did uh, with Star Plus. They have a show, and they wanted us to do a special edition uh, podcast, like a 40-minute take, and Indio the beer also. Yeah. And those are really good, because we get paid. And I get to do a story about something that won't, I, I don't, it, there's not enough material for an hour. Yeah, yeah. And people get a free extra Leyendas Legendarias episode yeah. about, I don't know, uh, Cuauhtémoc or Evita. And everybody's like, oh, thank you. I don't care that Indios paid yeah. for this. I, yeah. got a, I got a free show out of this. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, you know, for, for many people on the scripted side of things, they say, well, you know, the host reads don't work, obviously, right? The, you know, it, it's not the same experience, but we've had a little bit of success integrating advertising into some of the scripted series that we've done before. Can you talk a little bit about that with Princess South Beach and, and Love and Orban? Yeah, so we've, we've gotten a bit ex sort of experimental on the scripted side. So for, for Prince of South Beach, um, Lincoln sponsored the show, and we, that was, if you haven't heard it, sort of a really funny, sort of reinvented, like Bettina said, telenovelas set in Miami, sort of like campy humor. Um, and so what we did internally was we developed a sort of like e-news style show, like a fake broadcast that happened um, halfway through each episode. And we called it Tea with Tatiana. And I think for the brand and, you know, we worked with our partners on, on My Cultura on this as well. Like, we were all just excited about it because it was like, okay, cool, yes, we have a brand and a sponsorship, which is amazing, especially for a scripted show and for something that was new to the space and being in sort of experimental, but it also allowed us to stay true to the show itself and stay true to the characters and the tone and everything. So similarly to sort of your experience and it's like your best relationships with the brands, it was the best case scenario too because we had the opportunity to integrate it in a way that made a lot of sense um, and that listeners even were like tweeting us I think about Tea with Tatiana and like I think a podcast newsletter like highlighted it as like a funny segment and it was like completely branded so. Love that so much and but yeah speaking of true to yourself a few months ago you shared uh with your community and with with your audience uh that you're bisexual which you know in a, yeah. yeah is that is that correct? Oh, it was a year ago I don't know oh, it was that a year ago? Matter. Okay. Yeah. a few months 14. <laughs> <laughs> um so you, you shared that um can you talk a little bit about 
the decision to share that with the community, a little bit of the machismo in our culture uh, oh, yeah. about that and what it means to you and what it means to the fans. And it, it was weird because I didn't really share it. I thought it was just something no. everybody knew. But yeah. I, felt, I felt safe when uh, somebody said something like, oh, you're just in the bandwagon for, you're, uh, you want to have a... Was it during Pride or something? Yeah, was it was some sort of Pride. event? Somebody said like, oh, you're just saying those things so the, uh, every, the LGBT community will like you. And um, I said something like, I, it's not, I'm part of the LGBT community. Yeah. And then everybody was like, what? And they came out. <laughs> but I think it was just like, it, it's such a beautiful community that, that's around Leyenda Legendarias because I think there's intimacy in Leyenda Legendarias because intimacy is honesty. Yeah. And this honesty that, that we have built between us as friends, between us and the community, and the community to us just gave us like the greatest, uh, I don't know, like leeway to just be yourself. And when this happened, I was like, this is part of me and this community is very important to me. I think as a voice, I should not hide it in any way. I thought it wasn't, but I thought that was a good point to, okay, yeah, let's, let's put it on paper. Put it everywhere. That's great. All you freaks and geeks and goth people and, and LGBTs, you, you have me right here saying, yeah, I'm, I'm part of this. You're not alone. Let's get together and party. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, on the goth thing, what, what is it about goth that so many Mexican-Americans and so many Latin-Americans just love it and embrace it so much? Our skin tones just It, it gets you laid. <laughs> Everybody does it to get laid, just like magic. Exhibit A. Yeah, that's the point. That's where it starts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why goth is just like in Mexico. And I think it's all around the world. Yeah. But but it's it's like cycles, you know. It it goes away for a while, and then I don't know. The craft comes in, and then everybody's goth for a while, and then everybody forgets. And Sabrina, the teenage witch, and everybody's goth again. Yeah, everybody's goth in October. I do have a theory that I've been listening to like uh, old Mexican music and man, that is dark. Yeah. They're all like, oh, I'm sad because you left me so I'm just going to kill everybody and then myself. And then it's just like this beautiful ballad and like, okay. That's why Latinos that's, like that's Morrissey my, so much. My mom's music. Yes. Yeah. There is a lot of tragedy. That's it resonates. Yeah, that's yes. There is a cr lot of crossover there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go to the audience here in a couple of minutes. I'm just going to ask one more question here. So if you have questions and you're ready to ask them, just raise your hand. Someone's going to come around with a microphone. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to hear from everybody on what, what are you excited about for the next couple of years? Uh, you know, at Sonoro, uh, shows that we're onboarding, shows that you want to develop uh, partnerships that you want to create. And then for Leyendas, all the other fun things that you're going to be doing moving forward. Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, this is, might be a little broad, but I think especially in the scripted space, which is sort of like where we, with our original content, have like really made a, a dent. Like I'm just excited for more and more sort of diversification of content, not just of creators, but also of stories and genres that are putting out. I think now when you look at the, at the fiction sort of landing page, it's very like dark horror thriller, which we love and we do all the time. But I'm also like excited for more shows like Princess South Beach and Love and Norabang, which was a sort of a K-drama telenovela that we put out and just to hear sort of different things and characters and tones. You want to take this? Uh, well, well, for the Leyenda side, we're very excited to uh, try new things. Like we did the book, we're doing experiences, we're, we're touring and, and putting a lot of effort into uh, making it a, a whole show, not just, the, as I mentioned earlier, three idiots sitting down and telling you a story. Um, we are very much new to the industry, and the industry itself is new in Mexico, so we're uh, 
seeing where this takes us. And, and as far as Producciones in Contexto, we are a, a small company that's in, in uh, Juarez, not in Mexico City, or not in one of the big cities where there's actually an industry there. So we're very excited to, to create a, a, a community of comedians and, and, and people who uh, treat their talent well. And, and uh, it sounds naive and, and hopeful, but that's what we're trying to do. On, on that note, how do you find the right comedians that, that fit in? Is it a profile that you're looking for, or is it just the same sensibilities? Uh, sensibilities and, and, and getting to know them and, and working with them and seeing, like, okay, you're, there's a lot of comedians and, and, and no hate to them that uh, get into comedy to go, like, yeah, we're going to go touring and let's go drinking, and that's all good and fun, great. But if you don't have, like, a, a work ethic behind that, then it's just mindless partying. But... Uh, that, I mean, that's fun, too. <laughs> but we wouldn't that's have them on the though. payroll, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's a matter of uh, working, finding uh, the right people to work with. You meet somebody and you click and say, okay, great, we can work together. So, Fantastic. Uh, Bettina, how about you? I have so many. <laughs> we got time. Um, I'm looking. We got time. <laughs> I think uh, one thing that's really exciting is the more we prove ourselves on the audio front, the more talent is attracted to it. So I think... Um, a lot of people who are already established in uh, the industry, film, TV, looking at audio to, to bring us projects that they might never get made on the screen, but this might be their avenue, and kind of having that as you know a foreground for what we do next is very exciting. Um, and for me personally, the more we grow our scripted series, I just want to see like Easter eggs from our other shows, like start appearing places. Yeah, uh, that would be really cool. Yeah, the, like just different companies. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, and that, that's a really, really good point. So I want to like double down on that point of empowering folks to create, right? I think for so many uh, of the people who become executive producers and have options on our shows, like Stephanie Beatrice for Te Tejana, it's because they can't necessarily get that in the current Hollywood ecosystem. It's because you know some of the great ideas that they have are just not go getting through the door. And so audio is this way to get through the door and produce a fully developed concept and get it into that next stage. So that's fantastic. All right, I'll open it up. Does anybody have any questions? Okay, they, they went up right away. So <laughs> let's go up right up here to the front. Okay, um, so my question is, in the very beginning of Sonoro, like what was the very uh, first team like and how would you distribute like the different tasks and kind of like um, how did you you know did you have already a few podcasts like maybe three or four that you had ready to launch and that's what you started with or kind of like started Sonoda and then kind of like figured it out as you went along yeah I mean I think you sort of nailed it a little bit um, we did start in Mexico City with a small I think there were six of us at the very beginning a small team mainly of um podcast producers and a few of them had brought on shows that had sort of been a little like in the indie space or independent for a while and so that's how we established our network it sort of started out with um, a handful of shows that again had been sort of doing their own thing for a very long time a small production group and since then literally not even three years later grew to 65 from there and just continued to push and make a name for ourselves and we and we really started that first like year was our real focus was on Mexico and Latin America. And so we really sort of focus on building both the team and the network of creators um, there. But yeah, it's, it's crazy to think back. It was started then. <laughs> and, and I'm part of a much later wave joining the team this year. And now it's at 65 plus. 
it's still a group of Swiss army knives where yes. people are, are handling different parts of the business. They're like, oh, I'm good at music. Okay, great. Join this conversation or, hey, I'll, I'll jump in on the sales call and help explain this. Or I've got some great people that are working on creative. Can I help onboard? Which is really the best way to work, right? It, it's every department trusts that the other people want the best for Sonoro. And it's this little community that wants to succeed and, and win. So it's really fun. Did you have a question, or was it the same question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, my name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm with Latinos Who Tech. And uh, Leyenda-specific question. I'm curious on how you close that feedback loop with your audience to make sure that you're building stuff that they want to listen to. Like, I get the fun part of looking for conspiracy theories, drinking whiskey in your underwear. But I'm curious on how you close that feedback loop with the listeners, with social media. How do you do it? That was really hard at the beginning. I wanted to please everybody. So uh, when I started, people were like, I want more serial killer stuff. So I would do serial killer stuff. And then that week it would be, why aren't you talking about UFOs? I would do UFOs. I found out like you can't please anybody, everybody, right? So what I do is screw them. They're listening to my stories, right? If I can't please everybody, I need to trust myself that all of those people have been listening to Leyendas because of the stories I chose, how I chose to write them. So I just need to trust myself. And what I try to do is, all right, I already talked about serial killers three times in a row. I haven't talked about ghosts for a while. I'm really interested in this case. So I'll do ghosts. And I do it more for me and the show as a whole and always with passion and great care so that eventually people will just love it for what it is and you will always have people telling me you haven't talked about serial killers and I'm like it, 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 the last one was about serial killers what are you talking about so it's a never ending struggle if you worry about that stuff but uh, to their point they, the, the hosts both uh, Mario and, and Lolo and Joe spend a lot of time on social media we do have like a, a fan groups and they do uh, check in every once in a while and see the, the sentiment and especially when we do like branded stuff we're very aware of how it will be received Uh, like Joe mentioned, like if we do uh, the Evita show that is uh, an extra bonus podcast, we're not uh, cramming advertisements into their beloved show. We're doing a little extra. So we check in, people like it, the brands are happy, the fans are happy, so we all win. And here's a tip. When you're going to poop, take that time to answer messages to your fans. <laughs> It'll take you, I don't know, five, ten minutes, depending on the poop, but the fans will love. They always go like, I never thought you were an answer. And it's amazing. It, it adds up. After two years of using your poops to talk to fans, they really appreciate it. Even they don't know that I'm pooping, but just take that time well, now they they do. Do. Now they do. to connect. Hi, I have a question for Leyendas Legendarias. Since you, I'm sure you guys have a lot of insight, I just want to have one question for you guys. Chupacabra, is it real or not real? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think it's the only cryptid that is moving like uh, the buffalo did. Yeah, it started in Puerto Rico and then it came to Mexico. And I am not kidding. I... <laughs> I compared like coyote because it's about the same size as a coyote and then I saw how, how much they could travel like in a week. 
and then I compared it to attacks that happen in Ciudad Juarez and then Delicias, and it makes sense if it's a travel encrypted, it would take about two weeks for it to get from Juarez to Delicias when this attacks started in both places. So yeah, I think it's a wandering encrypted that, that's real. He wasn't prepared for that question, so you didn't get much from him there. Um, so how did you go from Puerto Rico to Mexico, though? Because uh, Passports. I have a little <laughs> chupacabra passports. Thing. Have to, chupacabra passports. <laughs> yes. Related to chupacabras, it was in El Salvador, too. I in literally news every two weeks now, you say, but that is not my question. <laughs> uh, my question is um, how, you how you take the fear out of you to say something that well, I'm afraid that most of the time I say incorrect things. So I'm afraid people canceling me before I started. <laughs> so I don't know how to. And what you say to his answer is good, like be me, but. It's difficult. I think, and this is something, this is like our philosophy with, with Eduardo, Lolo, and the Borres. We are always honest in what we say. So you can't be afraid of what you say if you really believe in it and you're honest. You can make people angry, but if you were honest, you can just, that's how life is. You're responsible for, for what you said. There's consequences. And if somebody gets mad and you say, like, yeah, I, that was wrong. Actually, I don't think that. You can apologize, you can make it good, and, and that's it. Because it never comes from a pace, uh, place of hate. We are never trying to offend. Sometimes you will. And if you feel bad about that, you just apologize. You've, you're responsible for what you did, and that's it. And I think we need to learn to be more that way, especially when you're the one behind the microphone. Being afraid helps nobody. Hi, hello, my name is Ana. I'm from Juarez, well, oh, living in Juarez, yeah. yay. Um, I have a quick question. After 182 episodes and counting, how you can keep the freshness of your program? Well, in overall, you have uh, Leyendas, El Dolop, um, well, so many programs that you have with, um, in Leyendas, Legendarias. Uh, how you keep the freshness? Where it might be one of the tips for like starting a podcast and how you can help us to like keep going and keep like liking people. Yeah, well, I think the, the main secret is these two guys there. Because I know I'm passionate about, even if we didn't have Leyendas Legendarias, I would be still reading about all of this stuff and having notes and my, my folders and all of that. It's something I love, it's my passion. But having these two guys with me every week makes, if I know the, the case inside out, but their points of view, how they make me laugh, it's just having a blast with your friends. So to me, every Monday that we record, it's a new adventure. And I think that's what keeps us doing it over and over and over again. And it gives us time with, uh, with every other project to do the same. That's why each of us is starting their new project because it's, it's something that you love. So if you're gonna start a podcast, the, the only way to keep it fresh is because you're doing it because you love it. If you're doing it because you think it's gonna be famous, then you might get bored of it. But if you're doing it because you just love talking about ants and uncles, I don't know, <laughs> then you're never gonna get bored because that's your passion. Yeah, and there's also like a, a 
like a long relationship. Like the honeymoon phase is over. Yeah, we've, we know we've learned as, as listeners of the podcast, like, okay, we know what makes a serial killer. We know what, how to identify a cult. But uh, uh, as soon as Mario joined as a, like a permanent member, they were able to build a rapport that... Uh, built up the uh, <laughs> across episodes because before we had a, a, a guest that would change so you could do like a, a little inside joke and then that was gone by the next episode but now that they've been doing it for about episodes uh, they have a base to build upon and, and it, 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 it gets more complex and, and it, it enriches at each episode but this season I've been on top of the podcast it's in Mexico and it's something amazing thank you uh, right here on this part of on the country, we love it. And I just want to say that it's amazing how you started with the Badia uh, Late Show and you keep the freshness. I mean, it's something that we really appreciate it. And it's so hard because, I mean, trust me, sometimes at so period time, you keep reading the same book over and over again, you get bored. And at this point, I will say there's more people still like the podcast is that all um, in context to us. And that's amazing. And thank you for that tip. I would like to. Well, thank look you. For thank you for breaks. listening to us. Yeah. You make the show. Awesome. I think we have time for one more question. So if you were working up the nerve, now's the time. Is this a chupacabra follow up? Okay. <laughs> then you can go. Okay. Um, I have a question about the industry that is again because I think it's something that interests me. And I just want to ask you, because I want to listen to your show now, but out of all the episodes that you've done, what's the story that's, that has impacted you the most? Oh, we each have a, like a favorite. Uh, like he loves, sure. uh, um, I love uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, Rancho del, del Skinwalker. It is uh, paranormal. It features one of my favorite comedians. Uh, and it is just silly. It's silly and it's something that really happened and I think about it a lot. But uh, the, the scary ones, the really scary ones are the true crime, like, oh shit, humans are capable of that. Ouch. Like, mm, no. I think there's a lot of uh, horrifying ones and really hard ones to, to understand how people can do that. But I think one that I loved is uh, Santa Urrea. Because I, I found out this story that happened in my city where this little 15-year-old started the Mexican Revolution. And I was reading through the story, and I'm like, oh, she lived in that house in El Paso. And this gringo, Victor Paseño, Juareño guy was the first guy that invaded Mexico. Got his ass kicked and then became an inventor. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, why didn't they teach us this in high school? Or it's our city. So I think those stories, the historical ones that you find out, that are, how did I not know about this? I love that. I love that so much. Well, Camila, Badia, Bettina... Gabe, thank you so much. This has been so super, super fun. Audience, thank you so much. Thank Give it up for them. Thank you. And get bucket hats. We have them in the front row. Oh, yeah. If you like yeah, bucket hats. hats, we got a ton right yeah. there. Yes. Get your purple awesome. hats. Thank you. Get your thank hats. You. Hats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>